Good morning. Good. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Oh, I heard like a fair. That's pretty cool. Good. I mean, it's better for good, but still. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be here. Uh, so I have a question for you as I start, before I start. Uh, this is telling these kinds of jokes is difficult because if everybody yells out answers, I can't tell what you're saying. Uh, but what's green and fuzzy, and if it fell out of a tree, it would kill you. Okay, good. Dead silence is perfect for humor. Uh, a pool table. Okay. So. No, that's not worth it. No. So. I have others that I almost said just now, and I'm just not going to. Thank Oh, wow. Okay. Well. Anyway, uh, on that note, we are going to continue the Home Run Life series. And in this series, we are talking about people in the Bible who lived a home run life, who tried to live, and just everything that they did, everything that they accomplished through God, and how he lifted them up, how he helped them through their flaws, how he helped them through their issues, through their problems, through their struggles, and how they continued to learn to rely on him, just like we can do. And so what I've tried to do, as I've said, is try to pick people who we don't talk about very often, who, who not necessarily are lost, but who kind of uh, aren't as discussed as the big ones like David and Moses. And so this week I want to talk about Simeon. And so I want to talk about, through him, what it means to wait, what it means to be waiting. And that's something that's such a part of our lives. And so I'm going to start with Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So as, through this, like as you can see, there's only really three things we know about Simeon. Uh, he's not mentioned a lot. He's only in this chapter. But he's such an important figure in so many ways. And so the three things are uh, he's righteous and devout, which means he's living for Christ. He's living for God. He's waiting for the Messiah. He's doing everything he can to be the kind of example that, that he can be. Uh, number two. He's kind of old. And so that's another thing. That's also a positive. And number three, uh, he's waiting. And like that's kind of how he's defined those three things. He's waiting. Uh, the Spirit has, has told him that he's going to see the Messiah. And this is just after the Christmas story. This is just after we read about Jesus' birth. This is just after uh, the, the, the shepherds and, and all of the amazing things from that. And so sometimes when we think about that story, when we think about the Messiah, when we think about Jesus, we remember the Pharisees and remember the people that were against him. But so many people were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting and waiting and waiting for, for the promised one to come, for, for the Savior to come. And so Simeon was waiting, and everything that he did was probably through that. And so in a way, it's kind of a blessing and a curse to know you're going to see the Messiah. That's such a blessing, such an amazing thing, before you die. But you have no idea when it's going to happen. And so probably as he went through every day, he's, he's doing his thing. He's doing good. He's helping people. He's praying. He's, he's going to the temple. He's doing everything that he can to show who he is, to show who he serves. And yet through all of that, he's probably still in the back of his mind, is today the day? Is today the day I'm going to see my Savior? Is today the day that I'm finally going, going to receive this? I'm finally going to see this. I'm finally going to, to feel such love and su such hope. When I was young, long, long time ago, when my jokes were still funny, uh, my great-grandmother 
used to say, a watched pot never boils, because I would be sitting there waiting for the mail every day. I'd never got mail. Come on. I still don't get mail. And so I was waiting there every day. I'd just watch out the window. And she would be like, a watched pot never boils. And to me, that meant nothing then. Now I understand it, and I say it, although I still watch pots as they boil. Uh, and so we all know that. And what that means, if you haven't heard that phrase, because I'm old, as I said, uh, basically, if you're waiting for water to boil on the stove, it can take a long time. And if you watch it, it's not speeding it up. And so that's kind of like if you're sitting in a rocking chair waiting, you're just going to keep waiting. It's not going to hurry things up. Our timetable is not improved by us worrying, by us waiting, by us just being crazy. And yet we still watch, we still wait, and it can be so hard. Uh, I will tell you something about me. I have so much trouble waiting for like popcorn to pop in the microwave because that four minutes is so long. It's so long. And then that's to say nothing of traffic. Uh, I was driving the other day. I was in the Union Center area. And the line of traffic from the stoplight to where I was coming from was like all the way past so many turns. And I like looked over to, what is it, 275, I think? And it was like backed up even farther. And even, no matter where I was going to go, I had to wait. And that's so hard. It's so hard, especially since you know that it's probably just because one person slowed down and it slowed everything down. Often there's no cause for it, but we still wait and we watch and, and we worry and we think. And in our lives, they're filled with waiting. We're waiting for someone to call us back, to text us back. We're waiting for word on a job. We're waiting for, for someone uh, to, to give us medical opinions or to give us medical advice. We're waiting on an appointment. We're waiting on anything. We're waiting on other people. We're waiting to pick up kids at school. We're waiting on the pastor to finish talking. We're waiting on all kinds of things. And we keep waiting, and we keep waiting. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about Esther. And I talked about how Mordecai told her, you might be here for such a time as this. And so what that means, as we talked about then, is our time is now. Our time is to continue living for him, to continue being an example. And yet, even doing that, as Simeon was doing, there are still things we just have to wait for. We have to wait on uh, there are, I've said this a lot, there are three answers to prayer. God answers every single prayer. Every single prayer. The first answer is yes, and that's the awesome one. That's the one where we pray for something, and he's like, yes, absolutely, and we see it, and we see the fruits, and we see everything, and it's like, this is so good. The second one is no. We don't like that one as much, but at least we have this clear answer, and we know, okay, I can change course, I can move forward, God knows more than me. But that third one, that third one is wait. And that is so hard. It's so hard because we look around at everyone else and we compare ourselves. We look around at everything else and we worry and we just wait and we wait and we wait. I have a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, I know it's surprising I would use him. But see, back when we were in school, he gave me a list of quotes he wanted me to use over the course of my life, and so I'm still doing that. No laughter today, that's fine. Okay. Back to the drawing board for next time. Uh, I am sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for him to wait. Our waiting is not arbitrary. God isn't waiting himself. He's not like, oh, i got to figure this out. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And so for us, we so often look at waiting as something to go through, as something that we have to deal with, as something that just is there. Or in some cases, we even look, for, look at it as a punishment. 
And it's like, man, this, this just stinks so bad. I have to wait in this line, or I have to wait in this traffic, or I have to wait for, for this news, or I have to wait for this to happen. I have to wait for help. I have to wait, and, and it's just so hard. We just had a group of sixth graders turning into seventh graders. And if you talk to children, often uh, they're waiting to be an adult. They want so badly. Beatrice is three, going on like 30 right now. And they're waiting so much to be an adult. And, and you know, you want to be like, hey, you know, taxes and bills aren't that fun. Like, enjoy your childhood. But then as adults, we're waiting to retire or we're waiting for, for a chance to get a better job, or we're waiting for, for a chance to, to learn more, or we're waiting for something, we keep waiting. And as we get older, we'll keep waiting for more. We wait for time to rest. We wait for, for, for family to come. We wait for all of these things. And so it's, sometimes our life feels like it's defined by that. And so it's hard not to see that as a punishment. It's hard not to see that as a negative. It's hard not to see that as a hard thing. But for Simeon, he knew what was coming. He knew that he was going to see the Messiah, and it filled him so much. And he still had to wait. He still had to know. And, and like the quote said, God had a purpose for him waiting. Just like there's always a chance for us to learn while we're waiting. There's always a chance for us to grow while we're waiting. And I would imagine if you talk to Simeon during that period of time, he probably thought about what he was going to say. He probably changed it a million times. I don't know if you've ever known that you have a meeting coming up or, or an important interview or an important something, and like in your head, you're kind of running through what's going to happen, and you're like, okay, I'm going to say this, and if they say this, maybe this is just me, uh, but I, if I say this, I'm going to say this, and you practice what you're saying, and you practice what you're saying, and, and then you, know, you get to it, and they say something different, and you're kind of in trouble, but for Simeon, he probably practiced or thought about what he was going to say to the parents or to the Messiah over and over and over again. And he probably changed it a million times. And yet, he continued to live in the Spirit. He continued to live. And even though waiting was hard for him, even though waiting can be hard, it can also be necessary. Because it gives us a chance to be still and know that he is God. It gives us a chance to work on what we're working on, to work on ourselves, to grow with him. And even while we're waiting, we can still do good. We can still help. We can still pray. We can still do devotionals. We can still read the Bible. We can still go to church. We can still help other people. We can still learn more. Um, because I go to see Beatrice all the time, and it's two hours away in traffic, I-74 is essentially every bit of it is under construction right now. Uh, there are a lot of times where I'm waiting, and so I've kind of trained myself over the time to have an audiobook or uh, even a Kindle if I'm stopped dead in traffic. And it's still hard to wait, but I've kind of worked on, okay, well, I've got to occupy my mind elsewhere. I've got to still learn. I've got to still grow. I've got to still do something. And so that's something that, that we have to learn because waiting is so important. Waiting can be so helpful. Uh, in fact, sometimes it's the smart thing. If somebody says something mean, if you see a post that just disagrees with you, if you know something and you just really want that confrontation, stopping and waiting and thinking it through, that really helps us to be a better example of Christ. And so even though we still kind of feel like it's a punishment, it's so important and God knows that we need it when we have it. And the other thing about waiting is no matter what, it's always temporary. God's time is so different than our time. And it would be so awesome if we just had a glimpse of that, but we wouldn't understand it if we did. 
I was just talking to some friends last night about how insane it is, how we can't wrap our minds around the fact that God has always been. Like, we read in the beginning there was God. But for us, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. So we think about that in terms of time. Time is just for us. Like, God doesn't need time. He's beyond it. And that's impossible to think about. And so for him, teaching us to wait is kind of helping us get a glimpse of eternity, knowing that, that time does not control us, but that he is with us. Going to the next verse, verse 27. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the little baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So the very first thing, after all the waiting, after all the preparation, after all that he could do, the very first thing he did when he saw the Messiah was praise God. He didn't say, it's about time. He didn't say, well, I thought it would be different. He saw him, and he felt it, and he said, praise God. Praise you for giving me this chance. Praise you for your gift. Praise you for this salvation. And he said so many powerful, amazing things. And it shows us that over the course of his life of waiting, he didn't lose his faith. Now, I would probably imagine that there were times where he had doubts. Because we all have those. But he kept going. There were probably times where fear kind of started to grip him or worry, but he kept going, he kept trying, and he was not perfect, but he knew that God would never fail. Now, I would imagine for Mary and Joseph to walk in and the first thing they hear is, you know, praise God, now I can die. That's kind of an odd thing. If you have a baby and you hand it to the doctor or, or to, to the pastor to dedicate or something, and they're like, thank you, Jesus, now I can die in peace. Like, that's kind of, you know... But they heard his heart, and they saw who he was, and they saw who he served, and they saw his faith, and, and so they felt that power that was in that room. And there's such wonderful words, and they're praise to God for his gift, but they're also important words, powerful words. This is one of the first times that it says the Savior is coming for everyone. Because, you see, everyone then thought the Messiah was coming just for the Jewish people and just for God's people, and they were going to help them. And, and here's Simeon is saying, you're Messiah for the world, for the Gentiles, for the Jews, for literally everyone. That's a powerful, bold statement. And that again shows that in his time of waiting, he was working on his faith and he was praying and he was in tune with the Spirit and he was just doing his best to say what was on his heart. And for Mary and Joseph, they probably had no idea what he'd waited, how long he'd waited, what he'd gone through, because he didn't come in there complaining and griping and being angry. He came in there with the Spirit. And he showed who he was. He showed that waiting didn't stop him. It didn't stop God. He showed why he lived. Now, I think we see that sometimes. And we think, man, because really we don't know how long he waited. And we think, man, if I had to wait for something like that, I'd mess it up. Like I'd overthink and I'd overworry and I'd have too much in my mind and I wouldn't say it right. And I'd say when somebody said, hey, you know, thank you for, for 
uh, buying the food at the grocery store. Apparently, that's how people talk to each other. I don't know. I've never been in public. But it's like, you know, hey, thank you. And you're like, hey, you too. Or uh, if you go to the movies and they're like, hey, enjoy your movie. And you're like, you too. And it's kind of weird. We're thinking that. It's like, man, I'm going to mess this up. And I'm just going to over worry. And I'm going to, I'm just, I'm so awful at waiting. And I can't stop thinking. And I can't stop worrying. And I can't stop just doubting myself. I have another quote, and this is one from someone that I haven't used before. It's Winnie the Pooh. Now, he's not quite to the level of Mr. Rogers, but he's still an amazing story. And this is actually from A.A. Milne, who wrote this, and Christopher Robin said it in the books. Always remember you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think, and loved more than you know. I know that for me, I struggle with each of those things on that list. And I think at times, especially when we're waiting for something, we can really feel like, man, I just can't handle this. I just feel so alone and I feel so lost and nobody cares. Nobody understands. God loves us more than we can even comprehend. And he's there in the waiting. And what this is to me even though it's a wonderful children's book and a thing that just speaks to children and gives them, hopefully, confidence, this can be our prayer every day to God. God, help me to, to feel braver than I think I am. Help your power to fill me and, and just give me bravery. Give me courage. Help me to be stronger because you are with me and you are stronger than anything. Help me. To be smarter than I think I am. To be wiser than I think I am for you. To show you. To talk about you. To live for you. And help me, Lord, to feel your love. And when we're waiting, we can pray that every single moment. Over and over again. Because he hears it. And he knows it. And he knows who we are. And he knows what we need. The negative of waiting is obvious. The overthinking. The overworry. The the time that we feel like is wasted or lost. It's just, I don't have to go into it because we know it and we all feel it. But we see from Simeon that he did his best to live out that prayer of trying to be stronger than he thought he could be, of trying to be braver than he could have ever considered, of feeling God's love because God was with him and he had a purpose and he called him. And so Simeon, was not perfect, but he had a calling and he did his best to live it. And that's all any of us can do. We cannot do more than our best, but God is always in that. He's in the waiting. He's in the time. He's in the action. He's in everything. Going to verse 33. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. So we start with him praising God and talking about just the amazingness of the Messiah. And now this seems a lot harsher. And yet it was something that Mary especially, but Mary and Joseph both needed to hear. Because our lives are not always going up. we got a lot of valleys, and we got a lot of times of struggle, and we've got a lot of times of hurt. And so he's telling them that, not to discourage them, but the opposite, to say, hey, 
this is going to happen, but he is above it. And he is going to help so many, but so many people are going to be unable to handle it because they just cannot imagine someone loving them that much. And it's not something that they're probably to hear. It's not something that is easy for him to say. But shining a light, being his salt and light, being an example of Jesus' love, being an example of his mercy, being an example of his compassion, of his grace, of who he is, that's hard. And I don't mean hard for us to do, although it can be. I mean it's hard sometimes for other people to be around. Because if you are doing your absolute best and you're serving Jesus and you're showing love and you're just being like Simeon, you're being like Jesus, for some people, that spotlight makes them feel less than. And it's always, always, always going to be easier for people to tear others down than to build themselves up. Because if you can tear someone else down, then you don't have to do any work. You just have to make them feel little so that you're also little. And then you don't have to grow. And so that's hard, and that's what Simeon is saying. He's like, hey, your son, he is love, and he is the answer. And people are going to see that, and instead of choosing him, they're going to try to break him so that they don't have to change. And that's hard. It's hard to hear. And yet Simeon did it because he was in the Spirit. And we know from Jesus' life that he treated everyone with love, every single person with love. And so many showed him hate in return. But it did not change him. It did not change his message. It did not change who he was. He continued to show love. And Simeon was doing what he could to prepare them. And it was hard. And I have one more quote. To be or not to be? That is the question. I'm going to see if I can finish this little soliloquy. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind, to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing, end them. And that's where I'm going to stop. Where I'm going to... And that is from Hamlet. It's from Shakespeare. And I put that, not just to show off a little with knowing Shakespeare, because how cool can you be? Ah, thank you. Man, we, we look at the actors and athletes, but I can quote Shakespeare. <laughs> but I put that quote because in our waiting time and in our lives, period, whether we know it or not, we ask and answer that question over and over and over again. Every time we wake up, will I be like Jesus or will I not? And again, we probably don't ask ourselves specifically that question, but it's how we act. It's how we treat other people. It's how we live. And our waiting can also show us who we are. Because i got to tell you this, and I wish I could say the opposite, but life's going to be hard. It's going to be good at times, but it's going to be hard. And we're going to lose people, and we're going to be hurt, and we're going to feel pain. But even in that, God is there. And so we have to decide to be or not to be. Will this pain change who I am? Will this hurt change who I am? Will this allow, force me to, cause me to build a wall around my heart, around my life, around my faith? So to be like Jesus or not, to use this time of waiting or not, to, to, to try to do better, to try to help, to try to do good or not, to listen or not, to hope or not, to love or not. We ask and answer that with every interaction we have. 
It's such an important question. And it would be so easy and so awesome if I could say, hey, if you choose right every time and you choose Jesus and you choose love, man, those troubles, they're gone. And if I could say that, we would fill this place every single week. But I cannot say that. Because as Simeon said, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, he's going to face such troubles. But he's going to save so many people. And he will not change who he is for anything. Because he is good and he is God and he is love. And so to be or not to be, he's always going to be. And so we see that and we see Simeon. And we see that he was led through the Spirit, through it all, because he could have easily said the first part about, you know, thank you, God, for your gift. He's a salvation. He's going to help so many people. And just stopped there and been like, ah, you know, I'm kind of afraid to say the next part. But the Spirit led him. And again, back to the waiting, I would imagine there were times that he did think about changing the second part. Because we all want to be positive and help people, and that's good. But also... He wasn't just shattering them with truth. He was being gentle and loving with them and saying, hey, there's a purpose and you're still loved and this is helpful and, and this is what it's about. And that's all we can do is try to do the same. I have one more scripture and this is Psalm 37, 7 through 9. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. David wrote this when he was older. And I picture him looking back at his life. And he's talking to us. God's speaking through him. But I also think he's looking at young David. King David. And saying, man. Don't be angry. And he's thinking about how his fear, how his pride, how his ego, how his, his pain changed him for a time. But he's also saying, God was there then. And God helped me through that. And God is there. All we have to do is be still and listen. Be still and do our best. Be. Obviously. Obviously we'll think still. And we'll overthink sometimes. And we'll be concerned and we'll be worried and we'll be scared and, and we'll be doubtful and we'll be hurt and we'll have anger. But we cannot let it change who we are. We cannot let it drive Jesus out of our lives, drive him out of our actions, drive him out of who we are. It is so hard to watch people in the world, athletes, celebrities, actors, politicians, people in the world who seemingly never have to wait for anything and only good happens to them and they never do good to anyone else. And it's hard to watch that, I think, and be like, I'm doing my best and this is just unfair. And it absolutely is unfair. But it doesn't change what our best means. And what David is saying in this psalm is that's not going to work for them for an eternity. But your time of waiting, your time of growth, your love, if you cannot give in and be like them, if you cannot give in to anger, if you cannot give in to everything that, 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 that feels like hatred, then your time is going to be so much different. 
to be still and know that he is God, to be still and listen, to be still and hope, to be still and do our best. And like I said, David, looking back at that, he saw what turning away from God got him. And he's like, never again. And so again, in his life, you can read, never again did he do that because he learned his lesson, because he grew. And Simeon is such a wonderful example of just living out Jesus through the times of waiting, through the times of hurt, through the times where, where you just don't know what's going to happen and showing who that is. And this be still and listen, be still and don't get angry, that's not at all saying don't care. It's saying care like Jesus does. It's not saying don't pay attention. It's saying pay attention with God's heart. It's not saying be like the world and how they accept things or how they act and how they hate. It's saying be like Jesus and how he treated every person the same and how he loved every single person and how he showed an example every step of the way and nothing that happened to him changed that. It's saying show Jesus with every interaction Speak like Jesus with every word. Act like Jesus with every chance. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're waiting on, whatever it is that is hurting you, whatever it is that, that just is a struggle for you, God is there. It may not seem like it, but I promise you, He is there just like he's here. A line from one of the songs, and I don't know song titles. It spoke to me while I was sitting there and I rushed to take notes. It was, everyone needs compassion. Let mercy fall on you. Everyone needs compassion. Hatred changes nothing. Anger changes nothing. But compassion and love and truth and being like Jesus. And everyone needs compassion, includes you. You need compassion. And God shows that. And he helps us to show it. And that's really all we can do. Simeon. Kind of a footnote in some ways to some people. But in those brief times that he spoke. He showed such a wonderful example of how we can live for Christ through everything. And he held the baby and said, God, thank you for this gift of salvation to everyone. And help the parents and me and everyone who will read this in 2,000 years to remember that they're going to be hard times. And in some ways, the more like Jesus you are, the more people are going to treat you negatively. But he never leaves. He never gives up. And he never fails. Just wait and see. That's all I got. I didn't sleep very well last night, so I have like a bunch of emotions going on. I have once or twice mentioned Beatrice. If you don't know, 
it means you've A, never heard me or listened to me before, but B, uh, she's my three-year-old niece, and I make time every week to see her. And uh, she's in a Methodist preschool in Indianapolis in the three-year-old class. I promise there's a point. I'm just talking. And this week, uh, she started school Thursday. And she was so excited. And her picture is like this. And I'll show you after if you want. And she's smiling. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm ever excited for anything like that. And I dread. And when waiting happens, I dread. And I worry. And she's just there. And she's like, bring it on. And she has such confidence and hope. And I know that the world just constantly tries to take that from us, from her, but she has that. And then the, the teacher sends little texts to Amber. And one of them she's painting, and the teacher's like, she's such a good observer. And she always helps me at cleanup time. And I'm thinking, how awesome if that were said about me. Not necessarily the helps at cleanup time. Sorry, Randy. <laughs> but such a good observer, such a good helper, such a good example. And she's three, and sometimes I just catch myself thinking about what she's going to go through. But when I'm with her, I make sure to be with her. And I bring all of that up to say, when you are waiting for something, when you feel like just nothing's changing, when you feel like nothing is just going your way, observe him and listen to him and exemplify him. And I promise you, I promise you that it will be so much better than the alternative. Again, not always easy. But he promises to be there, and he will never break a promise. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, he is with you. And he hears, this is from another one of the songs, he hears your prayers before you even speak a word. So know that, and help everyone else to know that as well. Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I thank you so much for, for the sixth graders that became seventh graders and for the kids and for the teens and for the adults. And I thank you so much for giving us a chance to have such a wonderful service in your name. And I thank you so much for seeing us and hearing us and giving us a calling, giving us a purpose. And I ask that you help each of us to remember each day that you are with us, that through you, that in you, we are braver than we could ever imagine. We are stronger with your strength than literally anything else. And Lord, we are loved more than we will ever realize. Help us to feel that love, to show that love, to be an example of that love, and to take your truth, to take your love, to take your hope out into the world. And point the way to you with everything we say, with everything that we do, with everything that we are. Help us to learn in our times of waiting. To feel you in our times of suffering. And to show you each step of the way. Help us to remember with assurance that there will never, ever, ever be a moment that you are not with us. 
and help us to take that assurance, to take that confidence, to take that glory and live in your name. In your name we pray. Amen. You may leave.